Hi, this is Keith, and welcome to Close More Podcast 42 for Monday, December 1st, 2008. The website is www.klesmerpodcast.com, and you can email me at keith at klesmerpodcast.com. On this episode of the podcast, I have two interviews that I made while attending the recent Los Angeles Klesmer Festival, which was held on September 14, 2008 at McCabe's Guitar Shop in Santa Monica. My guests are Joellen Lapidus of the band Extreme Klesmer Makeover, and Yale Strom and Elizabeth Schwartz of the band Hot Pastrami. So let's get right to it. Here's my interview with Joellen Lapidus of Extreme Klezmer Makeover. Hi, this is Keith from the Klezmer Podcast, and I'm visiting today with Joellen Lapidus of the band Extreme Klezmer Makeover. And we're backstage at McCabe's Guitar Shop just prior to uh, the evening concert. Welcome to the Klezmer Podcast. Okay. Hi. Yes. How did you start your band, and and, uh, what is it you try to do with your band? Well, our band is called Extreme Klezmer Makeover. And from that name, you might get an idea that what we like to do is a very contemporary interpretation of traditional tunes and original tunes. We write a lot of original tunes. In fact, tonight, uh, this particular performance, I think except for two songs, we're doing an all ori- pretty much an all or- almost all-original set. But the way the band got together was I got very interested in Klezmer about five years ago. And I was here in Los Angeles, so I decided, well, how better to learn about Klezmer? I decided to write an article on the L.A. Klezmer scene. So I met all the uh, big Klezmer bands at that time and wrote an article. And then I decided uh, I had taught at McCabe's many years ago. Uh, I'm also a mountain dulcimer player. I said, well, I'll do a klezmer workshop. That would be a way to gather people. And so I started this klezmer workshop, and it was very successful right from the gate. And um, so I was on the same learning curve, basically, as a lot of the people in the workshop. But anyway, as we progressed, uh, I kept bringing in new music and learning more and more about klezmer. And then uh, uh, the guy who, Dan Radlauer, who is now our accordionist, he approached me and he said, you know, you and I are kind of play at a kind of a bit of a higher level than the rest of the people you want to get together. I said, sure, that would be fun. I was also in a group called Mesto, which is a, a Persian orchestra that uses Persian and Western instruments, plays Persian music. And uh, that's how I met the drummer, Jamie Papish. He's a wonderful uh, Persian, Arabic, Israeli, every every kind of frame drum and other kinds of drums, too. And we decided we need a bass player, so we looked on the board here at McCabe's and Dan Dungan had an advertisement. We got our bass player. And then the first few years, uh, a woman named Novi Novag, who's a viola player, uh, played with us. But she wasn't actually a member. She was somebody I've played with over 30 years. But then uh, in the last year, Ross Levinson joined us. So he's our violinist. So now there's five of us. And in fact, uh, not tonight, but Ross uh, brought his first original tune to us that we're going to perform next concert. We uh, So we've been together for, I'd say, three years, maybe four years. And uh play a lot of weddings, gigs. We like to do concerts a lot, too, because a lot of the original stuff, it, it's stuff you really want to listen to. The name Extreme Klezmer Makeover, uh, there's this whole thing in the Klezmer world about what's traditional and authentic. And I remember a, a venue owner once asked me, how close to the bone is your music? And I have a very specific answer, which is that Klezmer has always been fusion music. The word fusion is kind of a dirty word in in some klezmer circles but wherever the jews went they incorporated the local folk music into the cantorial modes and chants and those cantorial modes also expanded to include uh, you know a lot of arabic modes persian modes so we feel we're doing very traditional klezmer in the sense that we're taking our 21st century musical backgrounds there's five of us we have very wide backgrounds and we incorporate a lot of that stuff into traditional klezmer music and the original stuff. So we consider ourselves extremely traditional, <laughs> even if we don't play stuff that maybe we don't play it the same. We'll always take a tune and play it kind of more close to the bone in the beginning. And then we like to make variations. And, and we feel it draws people in, and especially young people, because a lot of times klezmer only appeals to older people. And we want to really enlarge the audience so that young people are excited about it and can recognize like there's a tune that actually our opening tune we were playing for a junior high school auditorium so we opened it with uh, michael jackson's um thriller 
with that riff. Da 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 da. Anyway, and the, the crowd went wild. And then they listened to everything else we played. So we had a really good time. So yeah, once you get them hooked, you, you yeah. got them for the rest of the show, right? Exactly. Exactly. Once they heard something they could recognize and pet, tap their foot and, you know, hum along, we, we got them hooked. And, and this was like 500 teenagers that had never heard Klezma, you know. So it was really fun. So, um, that's kind of a lot about us, and, yeah. And so, what? Uh, but you're doing the traditional klezmer and then some original stuff as well. So, yeah. tell me about a little bit w- the direction that the original stuff goes. Well, for example, our opening tune tonight is Freitag noch in Simmes. We heard it from the Maxwell Street Band, and we play it twice through, totally traditionally, and then Ross goes into a bluegrass break. Which is, in, in terms of rhythmically, it's 2-4. It's that same driving 2-4 klezmer rhythm. Then we go back into the traditional tune. Then um, Dan Radlauer, whose background is a lot in blues and jazz, he goes into a blues break. And then um, we come back into the traditional tune. And then I take over, and I go into uh, the Age of Aquarius and the Beer Barrel Polka. So it's a jolly tune, and that's what it's meant to be. And, and then we go back into the traditional tune, and have this big ending. So that's an example of, uh, for example, we play, played at the Dorothy Chandler Pavilion last uh, holiday season. So we put together, actually we did Freitag noch in Simmons again, but we integrated Hanukkah and Christmas music in the, in the breaks. And uh, it was a huge hit. It was really just very exciting to see the audience again just relate to it and yet learn something new. Um, what else? Uh, what other, like Turk in America. We mm-hmm. do that pretty Traditionally, but we just have a lot of fun with it. You know, I don't think we do anything that. No, I think that we play pretty straightforward. <laughs> um, but like we have a ton of tabuli. Uh, we we take a lot of. I write songs that have lyrics. A lot about my family. My my grandfather had a live poultry chicken market in Brooklyn. We're not doing that tune tonight, but it's one of our biggest hits. I'm doing another tune, which is a very heavy tune called Itamar's Aliyah. It's about a piece of Jewish history that very few people know about in 1933. Very powerful tune. Um, most of the other guys write instrumentals. Uh, Dan Radlauer mostly writes the other tunes, and uh, now Ross has written a tune. He's also a composer. So uh, we, uh, like dancing with Turando, you'll, you'll hear a, a very uh, kind of Arabic-Persian beat, but then the, uh, the, the melody is, is totally based on klezmer modes. It's a very haunting song, but it's also based on a story about Turindo, who was this uh, Persian princess, Persian Jewish princess, actually. So a lot of our songs have stories and stuff. Ton of Tabuli, again, a nice party tune. We'll do that tonight. Isaac's Lament is a more serious tune, very lamenting about the uh, sad, sad division between the uh, Arabic and the... uh, Ashkenazi and Sephardic, you know, the two lines of Jewry. Very sad tune, very much a lament, incorporating the music of both cultures. I'm trying to think of the other tunes we're doing. Um, Ellis Island Rag uh, is kind of a, a song that's full of pictures. It starts out with these low notes, like a boat coming into the harbor. And like at the end, we, we are, we're playing God Bless America. That's the kind of makeover we mm. do. So it's totally a klezmer, two-beat, high-energy and then we end with God Bless America. And uh, so that's what we give ourselves the freedom to do. We have a lot of fun. Terrific. Well, that's yeah. it's an interesting mix. That's, yeah. that's great. Mm-hmm. Um, so tell me about, you mentioned you have some CDs. And then yeah. uh, tell me how we can find to buy the CDs and uh, your contact information if you have a website mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, our website for the band is uh, ExtremeKlezmer.com. ExtremeKlezmer.com. And uh, you'll have a link to CD Baby, uh, and you can buy our CDs. We have two CDs, Under Construction and Raising the Roof. You know, we're keeping with that theme of uh, the makeover. I guess if we get really famous, if we ever got really famous, uh, the TV show might have an issue with us. But for now, (laughs) we just really enjoy the name. Everybody smiles usually when they hear the name. So we have two CDs. You can get them through our website, yeah, and we're on uh, iTunes and rap. You know, all the uh, uh, you can digitally download our tunes. You can contact us at uh, extremeklezmer at aol dot com, not through the website. Although we we do have a guest list, but 
the CD Baby uh, Host Baby websites if for musicians, um, the uh, email thing is terrible, so <laughs> we use uh, AOL. Uh, so that's the best way to get a hold of us, Extreme Klezmer at AOL.com, ExtremeKlezmer.com. Before we close then, what else have you got uh, coming up, upcoming gigs or concerts? Well, we have a really exciting concert in January. Uh, between now and January, we have a lot of parties that we're doing. January 10th, we're doing a concert with uh, Ruthie Buell, who is uh, Uncle Ruthie of KPFK, at the uh, uh, Workman's Circle Arbiter Ring in, um, I guess it's West L.A., and that'll be a joint storytelling uh, music concert. We've done a lot of her radio shows, and actually October 19th, we're also doing a storytelling gig. Dan Dungan, our bass player, is very involved in storytelling. So we've done a number of, we're the musical opening act for the storytelling uh, performance. And uh, we, we do have that in our music, a, a lot of stories. I mean, we can go play a 40-minute horror at a party and, you know, with traditional music. But we also like our tunes to tell stories of kind of, well, the past, but also our families in 21st century uh, living, Jewish living or non-Jewish living, just living in the 21st century, so... January 10th at Workman's Circle, and actually October 19th is in, oh, I forgot, we do a Klezmer brunch once a month at Vinatech Cafe, which is in Culver City. It's a wonderful, it's a brunch, 11 to 1. You'll see that on our website. Uh, I'm actually doing my own show uh, this next Sunday, the 21st, uh, with uh, some guest, uh, guests, and then our next one is October 19th also. We'll be at Vinatech. For it's a two-hour klezmer brunch. There's no cover charge. We just encourage you to buy brunch, and, and so that's something that we've done. Uh, you know, I, I've been very active in creating a klezmer community here in LA uh, with the workshop, and there's been a lot of spin-off bands, and we have klezmer parties uh, regularly where all the bands kind of get together, and and we have a big klezmer mailing list, and so we try to keep the music alive and. Remember to play it for the joy of it, the, the fun of it, and not get caught up in the commercialism of it. Really try to have fun with it and just feel that beautiful, rich, cultural whining and complaining of klezmer and <laughs> cavorting and laughing and all that stuff. So we try to keep that spirit alive. Great. Well, that sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah. And you got a lot of interesting things coming up uh-huh. with the band, too. Yeah. Terrific. So... Thanks very much for being on Klezmer Podcast. Yeah. Uh, Joellen Lapidus, the band is Extreme Klezmer Makeover at ExtremeKlezmer.com. Have a great show. I'm looking Thank forward you. to hearing your band. Okay. Thank, Thank you. Thank you.
Okay, that was Joellen Lapidus and the group Extreme Klezmer Makeover. The song we heard was Isaac's Lament from their album Raising the Roof. I'd like to thank Joellen for appearing on the podcast and also for providing this beautiful song for me to play. Next, I have my interview with Yale Strom and Elizabeth Schwartz of Hot Pastrami. Hi, this is Keith from the Klezmer Podcast, and I'm backstage or... Maybe we should say upstage at Cabe's, McCabe's Guitar Shop in uh, Santa Monica for the Klezmer Festival that's going on tonight. And now I'm visiting with Yale Strom and Elizabeth Schwartz from Hot Pastrami. Welcome to Klezmer Podcast. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here, Keith. Nice to finally meet you in person, Keith. <laughs> yeah, we've been corresponding a little bit over the last year or so, so it's great to meet you guys. Thank you. Um, tell me a little bit about Hot Pastrami, how you got the band started, and what you uh, bring to the Klezmer music. Let's see. I began the band in uh, 1981. Uh, it had a different name, so but it was the band is me. I started the band. Uh, the first name of the band was called Zemiros, meaning melodies in Hebrew. Um, but Hot Pastrami is me. I, I, that band, that name began in, in when I had moved to uh, New York for... Uh, graduate school, but basically um, I decided to uh, travel to Eastern Europe looking for perhaps uh, unpublished, unrecorded, um, klezmer tunes, archival pieces perhaps lost, and then then the tunes and the memories of those who remember the music, whether they were musicians themselves, klezmer musicians before the war, or had been to a wedding, a chasana, and so I was meeting uh, Holocaust survivors, both people who were Jewish and Rome, Roma survivors, uh, some who had played the music. So um, 1981, I took a trek for a year um, with my fiddle and, and cameras, tape recorder. And just before then, I was about to enter law school. And I called the law school up and said, my spot should be given to someone more deserving. <laughs> they tried to convince me otherwise, but I said, no, I'm... If I'm already bored looking at some legal briefs and I haven't begun school, it's not going to be a – it would be a very long three years. And uh, thus I had a – the tour that I took in the former Eastern Bloc was very interesting. I was uh, coming of age for myself as well. What does it mean to be a a young American Jew having roots in Eastern Europe? My grandparents, I'm second generation. Um, meaning survivors, living with survivors, uh, um, meeting Rome for the first time, gypsies for the first time, learning about their culture, seeing uh, similarities and differences between Jews and Rome, but also seeing that interesting symbiotic relationship between the musicians. Um, so I came back and I had spoken with an, uh, a high school buddy of mine, Jeff Bekarik. We went to high school together in San Diego. I'm originally from Detroit, but middle school through undergrad in San Diego. And he's uh, he is a virtuoso bass player. And he's on all the recordings. He's helped arrange some of my uh, com- compositions. And he said, Yale, you come back with the tunes and um, I'll help form the band. And so with Jeff Bekarik on contrabass and then Fred Benedetti, who's still with the band, uh, the West Coast guys. Of course, I have the East Coast guys. Uh, fantastic classical guitarist who plays many different styles, but had a <clears throat> a feel for folk music, uh, particularly from his father, who's Italian, and uh, thus began um, the journey that brings me twenty wow twenty seven years later, sitting here across from you. Um, I guess the best edition of the band began some. 12 years ago and that's my wife Elizabeth Schwartz I would sing I still occasionally sing some songs um, but I'm not really a singer I have a folksy voice it's an okay voice but it's not my instrument my instrument is my violin my fiddle Uh, her voice is an instrument um, and so that really adds something because people like to hear and feel uh, understand text are moved by stories and Everyone has a voice. Not everyone, and we all think we can sing. Some can, but uh, not everyone can play the violin. Um, and uh, so she's been a, a major addition. And uh, so I'm here, and you know, I'll let Elizabeth speak now. But from that 1981 th- t- 
until today, 2008, I've gone in many directions. The music, as you know, I've written many books. I've recorded many CDs. I've directed many films. I've written a couple plays. I've had many photo exhibitions. Um, all starting with Klezmer, but then I expanded, particularly looking at East European, Central Europe- European, Jewish and non-Jewish, Roma life particularly. But I've done things on Hasidic Jews and Sephardic Jews, just on immigrant youth in America. So using the tools of asking questions and my violin as really uh, a tool to uh, to open up people to me, particularly those who don't have, might not speak English or even Yiddish. Um, and, and so I guess in a nutshell, I'm an artist, ethnographer, who has done a lot in Klezmer. I've used the violin as, it's a tool. So I've used it as a tool uh, to um, get information, also to create certain situations. Uh, people love music, they start to dance, they start to sing. Um, it was it was used practically in a practical way, I should say. Uh, when I didn't have very much money and I stayed at people's homes, um, slept on the floor or on a couch. Um, so literally, I played for you know they were being kind, but at the same time they said, "Well, yeah, sure. Would you mind playing for some friends?" And I said, "Sure, I love to do it." So um, it's you know musicians attract people, particularly if you're playing a music that they like. And what was interesting is with non-Jews. They may not recognize the tune or the Yiddish, but there was something of it that just said, well, wait a minute, why does it have a feel of Polish or Romanian or Hungarian or Slovakian? And because that particular melody I was playing, I knew came from that region, so we borrowed, whether it was a type of ornamentation, a scale, um, you know, or actual piece of music that was had been incorporated, a piece of a folk melody that you incorporated into another melody. And um, and so, uh, who knew that that I was able to or that I create such a life? If you asked me today, uh, then I mean, all those years that I'd be uh, doing what I'm doing now, um, I I went to I said no, nah, no, you're you're smoking something, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, and I hope and and I know I guess the the thing that keeps me going is. Um, I like the process. Sure, it's nice. I get the you know, this, you know, all artists have egos, and I like seeing the book in print or a film, and going to an opening and seeing big crowds. Though sometimes we have small crowds, but I like the process. So I'm already thinking of new projects to work on in, in the middle of some, um, you know, because some people say, "Wow, why don't you take a break?" Or because this is what I do, and and uh, as I get younger in my later years. Um, <laughs> You know, there's only so much time on Earth, and I guess really I, I'm sort of one who wants to go for the gusto. I'm a long distance runner. Also, I was a very passionate and um, committed long distance runner for many years, where I it was running 100 mile weeks. Uh, so I think there's something in that perseverance because long distance running can be very boring. I'll be the first to admit it. And not big crowds. I mean, it used to, now you have some crowds, but it's just it's a, it's a sport that you know you're going to go out there and you're going to hurt. You know, Nece- not necessarily going to hurt yourself when you play baseball unless maybe you know the finger jams you in the thumb or something. Running after about five minutes, you start feeling pain, and you just get used to it. You numb yourself, but there's something about that perseverance and conquering something that seems unattainable, and yet you did it. You know, and and I'm very proud of that. That I will say. You know, I did my books and my films and my research. Uh, I had help. I had teachers, professors, and people guided me. Sure, but then I just went out and did it. I'll say one more thing. It was interesting. It was NYU. Barbara Kirschenblatt Gimlet, one of the leading Jewish folklorists in the world today. Uh, she's helping the um, coordinate the efforts of building. The Museum of Polish Jewish History, which is going to be in Warsaw, it's, it's huge. It's a huge deal. It's being the, this museum is going to look at the thousand-year history, not just only the war years. Of course, we'll look at that, but we need to look up all the way up through thirty-nine, then of course to forty-five, but then forty-five to the present. So anyhow, um, uh, she uh, said to me when I first came back from my travel, nineteen eighty-two. After the year, 
she didn't know who I was. I got an appointment at NYU, but I'd known of her book, uh, Image Before My Eyes, on Polish Jewry. And I went with her, and she said, well, who are you? And I told her, and I just came back um, from doing this research in Eastern Europe. Well, did you have a grant? What language did you speak? Did anyone say, send you? Did you have contacts? How did you do it? What is your degree in American studies, and you have a degree in furniture design? Um, I just said, I didn't wait for permission. I just did. I didn't let those typical um, negatives, oh, language, oh, you don't speak the language, oh, you don't have a lot of mo- not enough money to last. Um, yes, those can be real difficulties, but you'll find a way to figure it out. And um, I think what people see in me most is they say, man, this guy's got a lot of passion for what he does, and it opens up the quietest of peasants um, or the most surly intellectual people I've met in Eastern Europe. And it's and we just came back from Poland, and Elizabeth said, man, you go down the street and people know you. You go, yeah, we haven't seen Because these are people I've, I've come back and forth many times. I know the streets of Warsaw, Krakow, Budapest, Bucharest, Yash, Romania, uh, Munkac, uh, Carpathian, Ukraine, well, extremely well, and particularly the Jewish culture, the history, what was there, what uh, what is there, what will be, and I've made it my business. But but I've done it in a way, I don't know, I guess kind of a homespun, folksy way. There's, you know, I have my intellect, I have my, my uh, I think, my scholarly aspects, but, you know, I treat people as they should be, with respect, whether they're an eighth grade graduate, that's as far as they went, or they're a PhD, or, you know. Um, uh, to me, um, uh, if they have the passion and, and uh, the will, particularly those who survived, uh, those Jews and speaking, and Rome, who were went through uh, terrible times in the Holocaust, um, it's amazing for me to, I look in these people's eyes, because uh, I realize also now that my daughter will be the last generation to know these people, to see a living survivor, and uh, and um, most likely not her children. So, um, you know, I, I guess I'm just touched by that because, hey, I could have been living there. What? My Zeta, my Boba said, Nip, we're going to leave now the pogroms are getting to us or you know the economy or the czar really doesn't like us he's told us this we finally got it through our thick skulls let's go to America you know the gold of the Medina um, I could have been on the other side of the table and someone else asking the questions of me just by chance we know that but that's life we know that and as a Jew it's not just well well so you could have been living here you know that no I could have been dead I mean you know uh, and um, so I guess that informs me in, 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 in my work and I hope that a little some aspects of that comes out to the to the listener to the viewer to the reader you know of my work the, the musicians that play my own compositions oh, fascinating thank you <laughs> that's, that's interesting um, and that brings you to Santa Monica today <laughs> yes uh, Warsaw Santa Monica yeah. In 24 hours. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah and, then, listen, and then back again, as you said. Yeah, when you exactly you listen to this podcast. I mean, I have been here less than 24 hours. Um, my wife and I were invited um, to participate in the Singer Festival, the fifth annual. Grateful, uh, got to see some old friends, make some new friends, play. I think uh, we said five or six concerts, four workshops. Um, I showed Elizabeth around. We went to some people's homes, had a party, played music and sang. Um, And yes, I am. I'm crazy. (laughs) But I'm going back on Friday for three days to play with the Bialystok Symphony Orchestra and to do some klezmer stuff. Uh, They're having a a Jewish festival there. Uh, Someone listening will say, okay, but why did you come home? Yeah, was was McCabe's that great? You came to... uh, Well, I love McCabe's. I hope you're listening. But the real reason is because I have to teach tomorrow at San Diego State University. And I missed my first class already. Luckily, my father, David, he... He substituted for me, but uh, you know, I, I got to. You don't, gotta, you don't mess with the university. No, 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 no. I, it's a pretty decent gig I got there as artist in residence. 
uh, at San Diego State. And now I'm very appreciative of the fact. So they want me to go do my art. But, you know, three weeks in a row, that's a little too much. You know, break it up a little bit. So um, anyhow. So you, missed, you, you missed registration already, right? I, I did, actually. I've actually, I, I did. Students have been emailing today, in fact. Mr. Strong, you know, I, you know, do we have ad codes? Can I, I please, one student wrote today, I desperately need your class. I didn't tell you this. I'm, I'm graduating, and it's like yours is the only, you know, 500-level class. And I'm like, yeah, okay, get the books of the reading, and I'll bring an ad code. I, you know, I'm easy. Okay, come tomorrow. I'll see you at class. I mean, you know what it is? And I remember as a student, and no, these are important things to these students. But that's, and that's age maturity, because now I see the bigger things in life, what are really important. I mean, really important. Um, you know, yes, I'd love to have a huge crowd everywhere I play and this, but it's really, I see these things, and, and again, I hate to say it, but it's talking with people who've been uh, um, through really difficult times, and and. That could be someone talking to someone now who's experienced or experienced Darfur, people who, who suffered through Biafra, Nigerian 67, 68, um, uh, conflicts of, between Israelis and Palestinians. People have survived that. You know, it makes everything pale. And, and not that I'm trying to say something lofty, but it just, I realized, well, you know, it kind of says, okay, I see a, a bit of my mission to perhaps my art will bring people together and um, and open up for dialogue, you know, and uh, and kind of put in perspective. And I, I get caught up. I say, oh, this and that, or I'm late or something, or I'm disappointed. But then I have to remember, you know, I know we think, I'll think of Leopold Kozlowski of The Last Klesmer, you know. Um, I spent one day in a prison in uh, the Czechoslovakian Polish border. It was okay. It was, you know, I can tell the story now and hey, I spent a day. I didn't like it at the time. I was uh, scared. And eventually the guards kind of got a little nicer and I played some Jewish music actually. It was a visa, whatever problem, they were suspicious, but I got out of there. I didn't like it though. I'm not going to lie. And he survived a labor camp to then live in forest. I. I can't, you know, I can't, I don't know if I could survive uh, uh, living in, in the forest and, and knowing that any day some Germans or Ukrainians or, you know, whatever, people that don't like me. And um, so maybe that's also made me uh, be sort of, uh, what, is, what do you say? I, I n- Not that I do things, uh, that I'm always trying to run, but I have a lot of energy because I, I guess because maybe as I'm afraid – you know, that end is going to come. And I don't want to say, but no, you can't take me yet. Angel of death, I'm not ready to go. I still have another symphony to write, you know, <laughs> you know. So I, I think, you know, those are things I, I, and when you live with survivors, that's the thing. And I've lived, literally, we've talked from serious subjects to, you know, funny things about, you know, whether it was about football, sports, or sex, you know, and girlfriends or this or that. Life, particularly I'm talking about with men, we've talked men to men, boy to boy, but then it come to, you know, those harrowing moments that that they lived for, and it wasn't a day. And that's the other thing I think is we can look back and say, hey, April, uh, no, May 7th, I believe it was. I'm not sure I got this wrong. Uh, you know, uh, victory in Europe, VE Day, 1945. They didn't know, though, in February 1945. We can say, oh, but the day we can see is coming. And you don't know that. And... Um, uh, you know, f- five hours, five days, five months, five years, six years. Whoa, you know, and uh, so I, I, it makes me appreciate what I have now, and appreciate these people who have survived and have given me so much. Um, I guess that's what I'm really grateful. These survivors who are willing to tell me their stories, open their hearts and minds, um, um, and uh, and all they wanted back is just you know. Just remember us. Thank you. A, a gratitude. You know, no, give me royalties. That no, they said no. This is, and then and it will live on. You know, so um, uh, those are things I, I often think about. You know, when people see me and they say, "Yeah, you're just sort of peripatetic." What was it? Kinetic. One of the reviews once said, "Yale's like his music or energy is like hmm. kinetic, kinetic." Uh, 
I don't know, just I'm out there. And I know I talk fast, I can do, and I walk fast, and I run fast. But um, I I think... um, you want to get it all done. <laughs> well, I want to get it all done, but I think constantly of, of those memories. I, those people yeah. who have also since passed on, partic- uh, particularly the survivors, um, I, I don't forget them. And, uh, and I guess I, and I'm always questioning why, what if, you know. And, you know, those are the philosophical questions I think all humans ask. Why am I here and what for is my life and where am I going? Uh, we all do that. What is, the th- what is the concept of life, even? Anything? I'm a set of these molecules. But you're going on in a few minutes, and I want to get yes. Elizabeth. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> She's been very patient. Well, I, I She's always very I'm patient. <laughs> the eyes are a little gla- glassy, I know. Yeah, I know. <laughs> a little glazed over here. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I know you're uh, going on in a few minutes, but uh, you're along for this ride. This is an interesting ride. How did how'd you uh, get started and a little bit about your background? Well, I uh, my background musically was that I sang blues and, and rock and roll. And uh, then I stopped singing entirely and came to Hollywood and worked my way up as a film executive. I did that for over a decade, and um, when I met Yale, I i don't even know if I had ever mentioned that I was a singer at any point, but um, we went to a party one night, and uh, I had a couple glasses of wine, and there was a pianist there, and the hostess said, oh, I love this jazz standard, if only there were someone here who could <laughs> sing it. And I said, well, you know, I had a couple of glasses of wine. I know that tune. And um, when I and I sang it, and Yale looked very pensive. And uh, I mean, I knew him pretty well by that point, but I, I couldn't tell if he was bothered about something. And uh, he was, as you let me just say, uncharacteristically quiet. And uh, on the drive home. And I finally said, what's the matter? And he said, you know, uh, you got to learn Yiddish right away. You're going to start singing with the band. you got to learn Yiddish right away. So, um, and I, I think I kicked and screamed. It was like the reverse Lucy Ricardo situation. <laughs> I was like doing everything I could to get out of his band. <laughs> but um, as he mentioned, he does have perseverance. And I have perseverance. So I learned the Yiddish, and, um, you know, I mean, it, it, I joke, but it, it wasn't exactly like he had to twist my arm. I, I really loved the music, and, and the more I, I learned about it. But, uh, you know, I'd say since then, in the past 10 years, you know, it, it, to learn Yiddish and start singing the repertoire is really just, you know, sticking your toe in the water. Um, since then, I've I've... Um, been focusing more on my own heritage, which is Romanian, and um, by extension, then getting more interested in the Romanian style of klezmer music, learning more about uh, the vocal traditions of Romanian klezmer music, and that's really been my focus. Great. And so what uh, sort of material are you going to perform for the concert tonight? Um, That's an excellent question. I think we'll do some standards that, uh, you know, audiences kind of hope for, expect, you know. Um, And uh, we'll do some original pieces as well, some original vocal pieces, as well as some original instrumental pieces, all composed by the uh, resident family composer. Very good. So... Um, you mentioned going back to uh, Poland again. You, you guys have other uh, concerts or tours going on, and and uh, I know I saw your your last CD that was out. Um, how would people find your CD and uh, websites or whatever you have going on that people can contact you and find more information? Well, first, uh, you know, in terms of tours, Yale's is going back to Poland next weekend. It's it's a sick joke, but it's not a joke. He's actually getting back on the plane and going back. 
And uh, we still get back to New York, you know, uh, our former home. So uh, we'll be doing a huge chunk of stuff there in December. And we'll be back up here in December. um, December 7th, we'll be playing in Los Angeles at the Workman Circle sort of gala fundraiser in they're actually honoring us, I, you know. We can, we we shall say it. But yeah, they're, it's a big deal. Very, <laughs> very, pr- very proud to be uh, one of their recipients of a, of a Yiddishkeit award of sorts. And we'll also play a concert there. Uh, we'll have a quartet then. Um, today we're playing with the trio. Um, our website, Yale Strom, Y-A-L-E-S-T-R-O-M dot com, is my website. And Elizabeth is is a voice of Klezmer dot com. And you can get CDs or books on, on my website, or you can go to stores. Um, oh, I guess I have something that's different. I have a children's book that just came out that's very proud of. My first children's book It's called The Wedding That Saved a Town, uh, published by Carben Publishers. And it's actually a true klezmer story that I researched in Eastern Europe that I turned into sort of kind of a folktale. And... Um, so I'm quite proud of that and, uh, uh, you know, created a character called Yiska Labushnik. And Yiska just could be a Yiddish version of Israel. But Labushnik actually in klezmer slang means klezmer. There was a whole klezmer language, as you probably know, of probably upwards of 600 words. And uh, that was it. So Yiska the klezmer, but instead of Yiska the klezmer, it's Yiska Labushnik. And uh, we're working on a documentary film, well, two that will be finished this fall, Romania, Romania, looking for Schwartz, a film about Romanian klezmer, its relationship to Romanian folk music, and emotional through line. Uh, Elizabeth, her going back to the town where her grandparents come from and sort of understanding more about herself and her Romanian Jewish roots. And then I have a film uh, called The Great Day on Eldridge Street, uh, I did this huge, um, what's a major undertaking in October of 2007 where I gathered uh, all these klezmer musicians who have been influential since the revival began in the mid-70s, whether through scholarship research or musicianship. And we gathered on the steps of the Elder Street Synagogue for a photo that now it will be a poster and hopefully immortalized sort of like a great day in Harlem. Um and we marched and played through the Lower East Side on the streets of about 70, 80 musicians. It was a blast. So that film will be finished in a month. So we'll be doing some screenings around the country. We, we always are keeping busy. Uh, working on a quartet for next year. I've been writing, uh, for lack of a better word, I guess, serious art music a la cl- classical with Jewish nuances um in it uh in in the musical structure um anything else that's a lot yeah. <laughs> a lot of stuff I'm going so on i'm so tired i can barely <laughs> she can't think i know we got to get on stage before we fall asleep <laughs> but anyways we thank you for all i thank you for the work you're doing and it you know artists like ourselves and you're an artist as well but but uh, I don't I don't do the podcast. I'm not creating them. <laughs> but I do appreciate it. It's it's That's the one thing you haven't done yet. No, <laughs> and I probably won't. One, I, um, I may. Uh, please, I've, I've, please I've got my niche. <laughs> please don't give him anything else to do, I'm, Keith. I'm a luddite when it comes to uh, technical things. I always go to Elizabeth. Honey, how do you fix this? And she says, "You're asking me. I only know just a little bit more. But you think I'm like the genius in the? I said, "You're the genius to the computers when it comes to that." You know. This is true. Yeah. It's it's a, and and. And I got to know you, Keith. Remember, because you were trying to give me advice over the internet on how to on my how to fix my MySpace page. Do you remember? Oh, that? that's right. That was the first. That was the first thing, huh? That's right. Yes, and you 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 found me somehow. Yes, you gave me all these steps um, for how to do it, and you know, didn't work. That's right. Because you, you did you did the personal page, not the band page. Yeah. I remember that. Okay, now, now do I remember. I have a band page now. No, we don't. I, don't I do. I think I think yeah. I think it's a, a band page. Yeah. Minus. Depends on how you sign up for it. Oh. Anyway, anyway uh, you got to get going. Keith, Keith you, um, <laughs> Keith, we thank you and keep up the good work. Yes, you're wonderful. You rock. You freilach. 
That's right. Rock the free love. That's the nicest thing anyone's ever said to me. Really? Okay. <laughs> it's overdue. So, Yelstrom, Elizabeth Schwartz, thanks so much for being on Closer Podcast. Have a great show. Get some sleep. Yes, we will. Hopefully and, uh, in that order. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> we'll see you soon. Okay. Thank you. Good night. Zygazin. Take care. That was Yale Strom and Elizabeth Schwartz of Hot Pastrami. And we heard the song Oberek Palota from their album Borscht with Bread Brothers. Hi, this is Frank London, and you're listening to KlezmerPodcast.com. All right, I'm back. Once again, I'd like to thank Joel and Lapidus. Yale Strom and Elizabeth Schwartz for appearing on the podcast and for providing the beautiful music that I was able to play for you. I do have a upcoming concert announcement for you. Extreme Klezmer Makeover will be appearing with local radio host Uncle Ruthie in a concert on Saturday, January 10th, 2009 at 8 p.m. at the Arbiter Ring Workman's Circle, 1525 South Robertson Boulevard in Los Angeles. The phone number for reservations is 310-552-2007. 
So that's it for episode 42 of Klezmer Podcast. As always, if you have any questions, comments, suggestions, or if you have a band that would like to be interviewed or have your music played on the podcast, or if you have a recent or soon-to-be-released CD you would like me to review, please write to me at keith at klezmerpodcast.com. Again, the website is www.klezmerpodcast.com. You can also find me on MySpace, myspace.com slash klezmerpodcast. And I also have a fan page on Facebook. If you have a moment, please do go to the iTunes Music Store and write a customer review for Klezmer Podcast. That helps my ratings in iTunes. The music heard on Klezmer Podcast is for promotional use only and is used with permission. Thanks for listening. Stay subscribed. Tell your friends. And until next time, bye for now. <laughs>